The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love. Like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today. Well, hi, and welcome to another episode of Legal and Business Week in Review. This is utlradio.com, your business success and legal information station. And I'm your host, Peter Lamont. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Also, I just want to let everybody know that the website, again, has been updated, completely rebuilt from the ground up. That's utlradio.com. You want to make sure that you check that out so that you can stay updated with our blog, with our videos and our podcasts. If you subscribe to, let's say, the podcast, but you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, you're missing out. If you go to utlradio.com, you can be part of it all. You can capture everything and get the most benefit out of what we're offering. Remember, we're a DIY self-help legal and business center, and you can just learn so much from what we're putting up. I want to make sure that you're getting the full picture, not just a snippet of it. So make sure that you visit utlradio.com regularly and subscribe to the podcast and to the YouTube channel. After a dozen complaints, negative reviews, and lawsuits, a local wedding photographer is now under fire for taking money from brides and then not fulfilling the contracts. The Better Business Bureau in Atlanta has been looking into more than a dozen formal complaints against Graceology Photography, a company based in Griffin, Georgia. Most of the complaints re remain unresolved, and the company currently has an F rating. Now, I'm going to talk about the impact of Better Business Bureau in a minute, so let's just keep that in mind. But let me just continue. Kelsey Cox is one of the many customers who told CBS 46 that she never received the photos or services she paid for. Quote, it's supposed to be the best time of my life. I'm supposed to be enjoying every moment of this, and he's ruining it for us all, says Cox. Cox is getting married in June, and she and her fi uh, fiance, Chris Yella, or gave, uh, I'm sorry, gave Chris Yelena, the owner of Graceology Photography, a deposit for $1,500 towards their engagement and wedding photos. Cox said she tried several times to schedule a sitting for the engagement photos, but kept getting the runaround and had to reschedule more than once with little or no notice. Quote, he was unresponsive, he never showed up, and would come up with an excuse the day of. He was totally, um, he would totally drop the ball on us, Cox said. Another bride, Nicole Nagoyne, got married in August, and she says she hired Yelena to take her wedding photos, but on the day of her wedding, he never showed up. Instead, he sent a replacement photographer. More than three months after her wedding, she says she's only received nine unedited photos and no refunds. Now, a quick search online found many reviews, but Yelena, the owner, refutes all of them. He told CBS 46 over the phone that, quote, anyone can go and post a review. So people were writing reviews that they've, uh, you know, when they've never done business with them, and, and they're doing that as a way of competing with his photography company, essentially. That's what he's saying. He claims that the unhappy happy customers will get a refund 
uh, but he couldn't say when. All right, so let's talk about a number of things in this article. First of all, Better Business Bureau. For those of you out there who are consumers or who may be business owners, what impact does the Better Business Bureau have on your business? Well, I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, very little. Unless, of course, you have an F rating like this company. The Better Business Bureau has, in my eyes, lost a lot of its strength because it pales in comparison to the impact that online reviews can have about a company. Better Business Bureau, it, it you know, it's trying to change with the times, and I have to say they've done a good job of making things digital and having access to the ratings online, and they've done a good job, but how much impact do people really place on the Better Business Bureau? I think that more impact is placed on the ratings than on the possibility of the Better Business Bureau being able to resolve your situation. Because as far as resolution goes, I'm going to say Better Business Bureau can do very little. All they can do is, you know, post some nonsense about how bad the business is or give them that F rating, which does have an impact, but it's slight. It's insignificant. I would venture to say that most people here on the East Coast, they don't even look at the Better Business Bureau. They just don't. So, that being said, what would you do in a situation like this? I think that you have to make use of your legal rights in situations where you've hired somebody, you've paid them, and they're breaching the contract. Let's talk for a second about contracts. So in order for there to be a valid contract in anything you do, there needs to be an offer. You need to accept that offer. There needs to be a meeting of the minds. In other words, when I offer to take wedding photography or wedding photos for you, you accept that. You have to have an understanding of what I'm going to be doing. So if there's no understanding, then there would be no meeting of the minds and therefore it could be a voidable contract. So this is something that you have to be aware of. That's the elements of contract law. Here, we clearly have, based upon the story, contracts. He offered to take pictures, the clients accepted, and the terms and conditions were clearly spelled out. There was a meeting of the minds. This guy should have known when he was supposed to be there. Clearly he did because he sent a replacement photographer for at least one of these clients. So valid contract, absolutely a valid contract. And now we get into what is your remedy when somebody breaches it? Well, you know, in situations like this where maybe a wedding is a one-time deal, you could have significant damages. Not only what you paid, but if the guy doesn't show up and now you don't have any wedding pictures, how do you rectify that? I mean, how do you fix that situation? You don't. You are just out of luck. Nobody will remember your wedding because there's no pictures. So... In, in situations like that, you might have higher damages and really could sue this guy for a decent amount of money. Now, you know, if you've laid out $1,500 and, you know, you don't get what you paid for, this is a scenario, by the way, where maybe you would want to represent yourself because it's possible that you end up paying more money to a lawyer than you would if you tried to sue him directly. That's just a thought. Sometimes there's consumer fraud violations that could add up, and then maybe an, an attorney would take it on a contingency basis. But just keep that in mind. Now let's get to his point, to um, Yelena's point about 
the negative comments, the negative posts being a competitor posting negatively to compete with him. What do you think about that? All right, well, A, I think it happens. I'm not saying that it's happened here. And I think clearly with the number of complaints out there that that is just smoke and mirrors, an attempt to make himself look better. I think that this guy probably has done what the consumers are saying, which is breach the contract. But what about that? What about the fact that somebody can go online and post something negative about you or your business? What's your recourse there? Well, there's actually a lot. There have been over the past, I would say, eight months, a large number of lawsuits involving people who have posted reviews, negative, of course, on sites like Yelp. And if it's an honest opinion, that's one thing. But when it gets into the realm of being defamatory, now you've got another situation on your hands. Now you're in a spot where you could be sued for those comments. And what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about, let's say he's correct, okay, which I, I don't know, but I'm going to say he's not. Let's say he's correct and that these people that have posted negative reviews never used his services. Well, A, that's easy to prove because he either have a contract or not. But let's assume, let's assume they didn't. Let's say Mary hires this company and she gets all upset because she doesn't get what she wants. So she tells her friend June and says, hey, June, go on Yelp or go on Manta or go on whatever and post a negative review. And so she does to help out her friend. Well, what is June's liability? It could be significant because that's just fraud. It's just, it's a fake review. And would that photography company have legal recourse against June? Yes. Could they conceivably have legal recourse against the girl that told June to go on and post it? Possibly. But you see what I'm talking about here. You know, it's possible for somebody to make a negative comment, a negative review, that is their opinion, that was really the result of an actual experience. That is pretty safe. But when you make something up that didn't happen, when you exaggerate to the point of it now being defamatory, now you, the poster, are in a tough spot. And, you know, I hate to see that happen when a merchant or a business screws you over, but you end up getting in trouble because you took it one step too far in your feedback or your review. Make sense? So lessons to be learned here. A, if you're a business owner, make sure that if you accept a job or a contract, that you fulfill the terms of that contract. So stupid, in my opinion, to be a photographer, to take a contract and then not fulfill the terms and conditions or the obligations that you're responsible for. How long do you think you're going to be in business? And a lot of these people, unfortunately, they don't care because they will close down their LLC the next day and they'll start a new business and all that liability goes away. Okay, but that is not how to run a business at all. So that's A. B, take Better Business Bureau as far as a, a, a resource to help you get your money back with a grain of salt. Ratings are good, absolutely, but are they going to do anything for you? No. At some point, you're going to have to take matters into your own hands, which means probably filing a lawsuit, and then you make that determination Who's doing it? You or are you going to be getting an attorney? Okay, that's, I think, critical. Final point that we learned from this story is 
if you are a business owner, you do have rights too against people that are going to post false or overly exaggerated negative reviews or comments about you online. You do have recourse. It is defamatory and you can recover damages under certain circumstances. You know, let's say that you've got somebody that breached the contract like here and then somebody sort of over embellished on their negative review. I mean, are you going to have a really good claim? Probably not. Would it offset something? Ah, maybe. But just keep in mind those points. This is a good story because it does highlight, I think, a lot of legal issues all at once. All right, let's talk about this man who was arrested and jailed for filming cops and then settles a lawsuit and gets $72,500. A Massachusetts man charged with wiretapping in 2014 for filming a local police officer with his iPhone is settling a federal civil rights lawsuit for $72,500. According to court documents, a Fall River man named George Thompson saw a police officer outside his house cursing into his mobile phone while working traffic detail. The lawsuit said that Thompson began filming the officer, Thomas Barboza, with his mobile phone. The officer eventually pushed Thompson, 53 at the time, to the ground and handcuffed him, according to the lawsuit. Thompson then spent the night in jail. The arresting officer received a one-day suspension for conduct unbecoming of an officer, uh, that is, speaking the profanities in public, the Fall River police erased the footage from the phone by typing in wrong passwords at least 10 times, which prompted the iPhone to restore to factory settings. I've never heard of that, by the way. Um, but that erasure was among the reasons that authorities dropped the wiretapping charges against Thompson as the alleged evidence had been destroyed. There were some egregious facts in this one. He was recording the officer from his own front porch, David Milton, Thompson's attorney, told ARS in a, uh, or ARS on a telephone call, telephone interview. The officer became enraged that he was being recorded. Under Massachusetts law, that's where this occurred, it's considered wiretapping to record somebody without their consent. The police report, according to court documents, said Thompson had the phone to his chest in a hiding motion, according to an internal affairs report. The arresting officer told Thompson that he was going to repeatedly drive by his residence and F him hard on paper. The later remark refers to fabricating a police report. In May 2014, four months after Thompson's arrest, the department initiated a new policy in which extraordinary circumstances must justify a wiretapping arrest. The settlement comes two weeks after the latest proposal to ban filming police officers was announced in Arizona. The proposal from Republican State Senator John Kavanaugh, which includes penalties of a $300 fine and up to six months in jail comes as lawmakers nationwide grapple with a new YouTube society of sorts. In light of the high-profile incidents, filming the police has become a routine endeavor. Now, I want to talk about this because a year or so ago, there was a case uh, in, I believe it was New York. It was a, a high-level appellate division case or court of appeals case. And basically, they said that if the police are performing duties in public, then you have the right, so long as you're not impeding in any investigation, to photograph or record them. Okay, now, uh, photography, I guess, can be 
different than the video recording. I guess maybe they'd have to come up with some sort of bright line law that would differentiate between taking a, a photograph where, where there's no audio versus a video. But what do you think about this? What do you think about the idea of the Senator Kavanaugh trying to make a law that says you can't record the police? I don't know about that. Think about all of the incidents that have occurred just in the last year alone where somebody has captured footage of a police officer doing something inappropriate, shooting a, a, uh, a person as they run away, using excessive force, using violence. Aren't police public servants? Aren't police there to help protect us as a society? Well, shouldn't there be a system of checks and balances for the police? We have a, a system of checks and balances for the government. The three branches of the government can't run independently of one another. That was the whole purpose of establishing the three different branches of government. So, does it make sense that we now are facing a situation where police are off limits? Are we giving them too much power? Don't we have a right, so long as we're not impeding in the investigation or getting involved in something that we shouldn't, don't we have a right to record them? Now, in uh, this gentleman's case, Thompson's case, he was able to, especially because they lost the evidence, to not only avoid the prosecution for the wiretapping, but he, he was able to bring this civil rights lawsuit successfully. But this is interesting. Interesting to me um, because I don't know that I think it's okay to limit our abilities to record the police. I also think that the police should be entitled to do what they need to do, so long as it's in the best interests of, of our society. But, you know, wouldn't you want the freedom to be able to see something inappropriate and record it? What if you were, you know, in the mall and you saw a mom smack her kid in the head and then leave him in a hot car? Is that okay to record? Is that okay to do something with? Sure. As a matter of fact, I bet you any money that the police, who eventually come to the scene when you call them, would see you as a hero. You saved that boy's life that was trapped in the car. Shouldn't we have the same rights and abilities to record something that we see that's inappropriate? Just because the police are doing it, does that give them an immunity? I mean, there are already immunities in place against public servants or for public servants and municipalities. We're now going to expand that, and then we're going to say you don't have the freedom to take a video of something that's going on. Our tax dollars pay the police, right? I think that we want that system of checks and balances in place. I think we want to be able to take a video so long as we're not interfering. That's what I think. I'd like to hear what you think. Do you think this bill makes sense? I mean, look, and again, I'm not, I am not at all um, somebody that is anti-police. I'm anti-bad police, just like I'm anti-bad doctors, bad lawyers, you know, bad grocery store clerks. I'm, I'm looking for quality in products, services. That's what I want. And I think that having a system 
where we do have the freedom to record and to call out somebody who's done something inappropriate, I think is a good thing. You know, I think my biggest problem is that you're going to afford yet another protection or immunity to the police. But what about, you know, the the person that's video recording? Um, let's say it's a mom scolding her child, but there's no abuse. Just being a mom. I mean, you know, now you've got somebody running to the police saying, oh, look what I found. Look at this mom yelling at her kid. And then, you know. Dyfus or or the equivalent in your state comes and investigates. There should be some sort of balance, right? If if a, a person can do that to another person, why can't we as citizens make sure that the police are in check? I don't know, but I'd love to hear what you think. So tweet me on that at PJL Law. Let me know what you think about that. Post a comment um, on the website or on YouTube after the video is posted. And let me know. I'm curious to see what you think. All right, on lighter news, we've got Jay-Z sued for $18 million for his failed cologne. Yep, okay. Jay-Z released his gold Jay-Z cologne in 2013, but apparently he didn't live up to the end of the deal with its distributor to promote it properly. Parfo Fragrances is now suing the music mogul over it. In their suit, Parfo says that... Jay-Z was supposed to make social media posts and promotional appearances, including one on GMA, a Macy's in-store appearance, and a women's wear daily, but he declined. They also say that there was supposed to be a line of follow-up fragrances, fragrances that Jay-Z helped develop, but he dodged meetings, so they never happened. Instead of making the projected $50 million over two years from the cologne that he thought, or they thought, Parfu is losing money and stores are returning unsold inventory. They're seeking $18 million in damages. What do you think about this one? Right? Well, who thinks? I mean, look, come on, Jay-Z. What do you make? Everything, right? Don't you have a, a streaming video service? You've got wine or, or, or some alcoholic beverage. What else can you do? This is a case, in my opinion, where, you know, you've got too much going on. It's just gone to your head. There is one thing about multiple income streams, and I'm all for that. That makes sense. But now you're going to screw people over. You're going to take your partner who invested in you because they know your name. You could probably sell bottled hair clippings and make money if you brand it Jay-Z just because of your popularity. So when you've got a company like Parfo that's going to invest in you and there's this expectation that they're going to make money too. I mean, isn't that why they're in business with you? And you just drop the ball. You don't make the appearances. You don't promote properly. What is that saying about you? Nothing good, in my opinion. And I think that it's unfair, unless there's some other flip side of the story, as I'm sure there is, about how the company didn't do something right. I, I completely understand in general where this is coming from because sometimes celebrities believe that they don't need to do anything. Maybe maybe this cologne wasn't that big a deal. Maybe he realized it wasn't going anywhere so he just stopped doing what he should have done. But we're talking about some promotional appearances and some work that in the grand scheme of things he probably could have fit into his life. So I think that the one that suffers here is the company that invested in Jay-Z with this line of products 
unless there's some other intervening circumstances that we're not aware of. But in my opinion, I think that this is sort of uh, sort of bad, right? I mean, sort of like completely appalling, if you ask me. I, I don't see how you get away with this. We'll see what happens. We'll follow that lawsuit. I don't know. Jay-Z Cologne. Don't know if you can find that in this store anymore. All right, let's talk about a follow-up story from last week. We were talking about the Flint water crisis in Michigan. This one draws an ACLU lawsuit. This is coming from Courthouse News. With lead contamination making the water in Flint, Michigan unsafe to drink for nearly two years, the American Civil Liberties Union and others filed a federal complaint last Wednesday aiming to force action by the state. Joining the ACLU of Michigan and two other groups as plaintiffs, in the 58-page action is Melissa Mays, a Flint resident who she says has been struggling since 2014 to keep her family safe from elevated levels of lead in Flint's water supply. I mean, there is no excuse for this. We talked about it last week. We probably spent 25 minutes talking about the Flint, Michigan situation. Done as a cost-cutting measure, you know, diverting the town's water supply from, I believe it was Lake Huron. No, maybe it was. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it was. Into the Flint River, which was filled with contamination. Um, pipes having lead flake off and, and be in the water stream. You know, serious, serious health consequences. We all know about the importance of, of lead and developing you know, children and how that has such a very negative and severe impact and can cause significant brain damage. Yet the town of Flint, Michigan didn't care. Now, we talked last week about this idea of environmental racism, which was a, a term coined by either CNN or Time, I can't remember. Uh, well, you know, I think that it was more of a poverty sort of situation than it was a racial thing. But last week, we were aware of a lawsuit filed, it was class action, but it was filed against the city of Flint on behalf of residents who were paying water bills for water that they could not make use of. Now we see the ACLU of Michigan filing a separate lawsuit seeking to get them to take action. Now, the lawsuit deals with the Safe Drinking Water Act, and the Safe Drinking Water Act directs officials who operate water systems to test drinking water for harmful, harmful contaminants and to treat the water to control for those contaminants, according to the complaint. City and state officials' complete disregard for those requirements is exposing the people of Flint to lead, a powerful toxin that is devastating to the human body. That also coming from the complaint. Um, Flint's lead water crisis began when the city's emergency manager took the cost-cutting measure in 2014 to switch uh, Flint's drinking water from, like I said, Lake Huron to the heavily polluted Flint River. And according to the complaint, the contamination poses an ongoing health risk to the city's residents, especially young children, who are most vulnerable to the effects of lead. Uh, what do you think? I think this is a good lawsuit. Okay, we see a ton of bad lawsuits. This is a good one. Somebody has to be held accountable. But if you remember our discussion last week, who is going to be held accountable? Because at the government level, 
There is finger pointing across the board. The EPA, the local government, the state government. Who is going to be responsible? Who is going to be left holding the bag here? I don't know. I think this is a very tough call. I think it's going to be very difficult to find the guilty party if they ever do. We'll see. But what do you think about that? I like the lawsuit, quite frankly, um, filed by the residents for the payment of the water bill. I think that was a clever lawsuit. This one's obviously important and necessary to, uh, to, to force Flint to do something. But who is going to be culpable? What are the damages going to be? How is this going to get rectified via the law? I don't think that's a, a lot of tough questions. All right, we're going to move into another story about AIDS drug patent called abuse of system. This also coming from Courthouse News. The AIDS Healthcare Foundation claims in a federal antitrust complaint that biopharmaceutical company uh, Gilead, or Gilead, Gilead Sciences abused that patent system to block access to a 30-year-old antiviral agent used to treat HIV. The AIDS Healthcare Foundation is the largest nonprofit provider of specialized HIV AIDS medical care in the United States. It claims that Gilead Sciences, in a, quote, relentless effort to maximize its profits, manipulated the patent system and engaged in anti-competitive practices to prevent economical access to Tenefer alphamide, which is obviously the medical, uh, the, the medicine, a life-saving HIV drug. The abbreviation for that is TAF, T-A-F. TAF is not a new drug, the Healthcare Foundation says, quote, TAF is a pro-drug of the compound Tenafir, which was first synthesized over 30 years ago in the Czech Republic. A pro-drug is a medicine that is converted into its active form inside the body. It's like a precursor, I would imagine. Quote, despite similarities between TAF and TDF, which is another similar drug, the weaknesses of the patents covering TAF um, is, is really the issue here, basically just to summarize that, because start getting into it technical terms that are unnecessary. Um, but the idea here is that by blocking the access to this drug, we are preventing other companies from developing medical treatment, medical pharmaceuticals to help in the battle over AIDS and HIV. Now, this is interesting because as a citizen of the world, what do I think? Well, I think that if we all pooled our resources, if we all came together as a world unit, uh, and I think that was the purpose of the World Health Organization, which, you know, I'm I, not quite sure that it's led uh, up or, or lived up to its, its intended purpose. Wouldn't we all benefit as a global community if pharmaceutical companies pooled their resources? If we sat down as groups and came up with drugs, plans, chemical compounds to help combat some of the world's deadliest diseases like cancer and HIV or AIDS. But instead, you can see it in this lawsuit that there's a lot of infighting with pharmaceutical companies. It becomes, well, who developed this first? And I'm going to patent this. Now you can't use that. Wouldn't it be better if 
the lobbying that goes on, the support of certain medical companies over others, wouldn't it be better if that went away? Imagine a world where the world's you know, leading medical researchers, professionals, pharmaceutical companies came together, pooled all of their resources, all of their data. Wouldn't you think that with all of that brilliance working together, that there'd be a better chance of finding solutions? Wouldn't it be better if some of the bureaucratic red tape with FDA approval, wouldn't it be better if we didn't have all of that to the extent that we do? Now, I'm not saying the FDA is not important and that we shouldn't do drug tests to make sure that these compounds are safe. But come on, I mean, we've done this before. And then 10 years later, you find out that an FDA approved drug has serious side effects. And now people that took the drug 15 years ago are suffering. So, you know, make an argument for me then that the FDA is doing everything the proper way. I'm sick and tired of seeing the greed and selfishness with respect to pharmaceuticals or medical care because it's our health. It's our lives. We could affect globally, globally, the lives of billions if we all just said this isn't about money. But it is. And I don't know that we'll ever change. Funny how, though, when there's a crisis of global scale, we're able to perform semi-miraculous tasks. Ebola. Let's contain it. Right? Because right now there's no cure. But let's contain it. You know? Immediate response, right? We're all afraid of the zombie apocalypse. So we're going to do something about that. But what about these other diseases? Now, I know that the companies that produce the cancer medications or the AIDS medications would suffer because their CEOs wouldn't be able to take multi-million dollar bonuses every year. But wouldn't we all want to live our lives to the fullest, healthy? Wouldn't we want to eradicate some of the diseases? I mean, we do it with things like polio. There's no more bubonic plague. So why can't we get together and make a difference? I don't know. I, I see no reason for it. So I throw that out there to you. So here you've got a lawsuit from one pharmaceutical company to another concerning the patent. I think it's just nonsense, quite frankly. And I want to also encourage you to check out utlradio.com. It's your DIY self-help legal and business center. It's a ton of information, and we're just producing more info every day, putting out more podcasts, more uh, blog posts, more videos, and I really want to encourage you to share it. I'm, I'm asking you as a favor to please share the information about the site. Let other people out there know that there is a resource available to them that they don't have to pay for, where they can get instruction, where they can have their questions answered. I mean, just sometimes... Having a question answered is a massive relief. You can do that. We have a free app, which would allow you to ask questions through the app. Also listen to the podcasts and videos from the app. There's just so much that you can do and, and so much you can learn. So please, please pass it along. Let people know. 
show them what we have to offer on YouTube, on the podcast, and on utlradio.com. All right, don't forget to tune in tomorrow. We're going to be doing our legal Q&A, followed by Wednesday's business Q&A, and then our live show on Thursday, where you can call in, ask your legal and business questions. We'll have discussions and answers. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun on Thursday. So I will see you tomorrow. Please make sure that you share this information with your friends, your family, and colleagues, and let them know about utlradio.com, your business success and legal information station. I'll see you next time. iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today. 